1: Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Adams. Every week, we bring on some of the brightest leaders around the world to discuss issues facing high net worth individuals and family offices today. Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me, Kama Mosley. Cam is a Senior Vice President at Lockton Private Risk Solutions. She has been at Lockton, the world's largest privately held brokerage for eight years and holds a law degree from Washburn, giving her a unique perspective on private risk. Kama, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if I'm excited for this. Insurance is is a very challenging place right now, which we're going to get into. But before we talk about liability and, and hard markets and maybe touch on cyber a bit, could you give some background on yourself and how you found yourself at Lockton?
2: Yes, I would love to do that. Funny enough, I actually went to law school because I thought I was going to save the world, but ended up finding myself on a circuitous path and fell into insurance, as I think most of us do. The beautiful thing is that I have been able to use my law degree when we talk about liability, which is an important piece for our clients. And I've been at Lockton now for going into my ninth year. Lockton is actually based in Kansas City, where I am located. That is where the headquarters is and where Jack Lockton started this amazing company that is still privately owned and family owned, even though it's one of the largest companies on the globe.
1: Yeah, it's a really cool story. I'm familiar with the firm. I've done business in Kansas City for a long time, and then I know some Lockton folks out of Chicago through YPO, and it's a great company, very entrepreneurial, and you all do incredible work. Thank you. So I'm going to go right into the challenging area. I've got a lot of real estate exposure Uh, On the commercial side, residentially as well, we talk with a lot of ultra high net worth individuals and families, even if they're not in the real estate business per se, just from their exposure in their lives. It's a super challenging insurance market to say the least. To say the least. When we were getting ready for this, you said you wanted to talk a lot about the hard market. Let's get into it. I mean, Where were we a couple of years ago and where we are today, maybe to give some people some perspective on what's happening?
2: For sure. So let me just say this. When I say we are in an unprecedented hard market, it is true. It has never been like this before. And I don't know that it will ever go back to what it was. I would say even 18 months ago, we weren't faced with the challenges that we are faced with now. I was listening. I listened to, this just shows you what a insurance nerd I am, but I spend my weekends listening to podcasts while I walk my dog. Because there's just so much out there and there's so much to know, but one of the presidents of one of the carriers we work with talked about the three I's that really have made an impact on this insurance market and it's Hurricane Ian, it's interest rates and inflation, right? So you take all of these severe storms, which the hard market is really brought on mostly by severe storms. That is what is causing a lot of this, but couple it with interest rates and inflation and you have a perfect storm pardon the pun, but really that's what we're facing now. And so what that means for clients is, and prospective clients, is that really, really high premiums, but a lot of non-renewals. I get a call every single day, literally every single day with someone who is in a pickle,
1: if you will. Yeah, we, we own an asset in Fort Lauderdale, industrial mm. asset. And not to go into my war stories, but I think it's illustrative of what we're seeing We went to market a couple of months ago and we couldn't get coverage. Mm -hmm. We didn't get a bid, which obviously it has issues with the lender and all kinds of things. For sure. And so they actually, the lender was able to force coverage on it, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even know was a thing that existed. But it was wild to me that you could go far and wide. We used brokers, obviously, and we couldn't even get a bid for the wind hail coverage. And it makes me think, well, we're sophisticated. We have a portfolio. We have a really sophisticated lender. But if if you don't have access to those things, or maybe you have an orphan asset and you're not a real estate professional, I can't imagine how difficult it would be in today's marketplace.
2: Absolutely. And you bring up a couple of points that I that I really want to impress upon people. And that is, Having your broker really be your partner that is looking out into the long term is more important than ever. And look, private risk, personal insurance, which is what we're focusing on, right? People's homes, cars, yachts, collections, liability, all that stuff. It's not really sexy, especially compared to the commercial piece of what you're talking about. And so in the past, it's been okay to have it be a little bit transactional because it wasn't it was rocket science it's become a little bit more like rocket science in the sense that it's just been it's so complex now so having a partner that really can look out to the future and go that distance with you is super important when people are getting ready to buy homes the first thing i say is before you buy the home call your broker and do a zip code check make sure that you can even get insurance oftentimes the real estate agent will say it's no problem and then come to find out it is. So that's a really, really important piece. And the other thing is you mentioned something about having sort of this like loan property out there, right? I'm always sharing with families that they tend to leverage the power of their family with banking relationships and real estate investments and all kinds of things. And they don't think about it for their personal lines insurance. And this is a real opportunity that I'm not guaranteeing it's going to work, but I'll tell you what, It's an option, it's choice, and it gives you some hope that if you can bring your family members together, that you can have a little bit more premium and have a little bit more power.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where oftentimes people are hesitant to talk about the resources they might have available Mm -hmm. to them. But the reality is, if you are a high net worth individual or family with resources, you're a good risk for a lot of these folks. Like they want you in the risk pool and you should leverage all the relationships you have. And I think you make a good one point about the brokerage relationship because it's kind of like real estate in general. The last 10, 15 years, it was a great business, really easy. Like Deals were getting done, very liquid market, very transactions, volumes are up, everyone's happy. But in today's world, you really need somebody who has bona fides and has good, deep relationships and understands the complexity of the market because – Getting transactions done right now is really challenging.
2: It is. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to share with you is I wrote a list of all of the states that are now categorized as catastrophic states, because I think this is also something that people don't understand. They know Florida is and they know California is. But what they don't know is that Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, New York, Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, and Colorado Are all cat states? So it's it's really important to understand that.
1: It's outrageous. I was talking to somebody at a conference last week. Oh, we were in Palm Beach, and these families, you know, were at this point. A lot of these families are almost migratory; like they move around. They've got locations and houses everywhere. And we were talking about how I personally think Nashville and the Midwest will become like a refugee relocation area for a lot of these ultra sure. net worth individuals and families which from a climate perspective, because we're well insulated from a lot of those catastrophic events that you were just talking about.
2: Exactly. Although, you know, there is hail and there are tornadoes, but you're right. Yeah. It yeah. is easier to insure in the Midwest. And And one more thing to talk about. A lot of times in the private risk world, when you're talking about deductibles and risk retention, people are talking about five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars, maybe fifty thousand dollars if you're getting crazy. We're now having conversation with clients who are taking up to you know a million dollars in in their deductibles. So having the conversation of where are you willing to take on more risk so that you can keep these premiums down is really becoming an everyday conversation as well as going into the non-admitted markets, the access and surplus lines markets. It's not anything to be scared about anymore. It once was. You know, even call it three years ago, if I had to deliver a Lloyd's of London quote to somebody, it was really bad news. But now our carriers like Chubb and Pure, AIG, Berkeley One, Cincinnati, they all have their own non-admitted side to their programs. And it's really quite good. And it, it gives you more flexibility and the ability to find the insurance where the admitted market will not.
1: I don't know the difference between admitted yeah. and not admitted. Could you break that down? I for will me?
2: break it down for you. Okay. The admitted market is basically regulated by the state, right? The state is telling you, telling the the markets what they can and cannot do what they can charge. The non-admitted market is not backed by the state. But the ones that, you know, most of us are generally using are, are quite solid in their financial backing. And anyway, they they since they don't, they're not state regulated, they have the flexibility to say, yeah. We're going to take on that risk, but hey, we're going to charge what we think, you know, is right for it, and we're going to exclude this or exclude that. So they just kind, you know, can mold it to what they're comfortable with, and then allowing people to have the insurance that they need and want.
1: So I, I want to break down these three terms that people get thrown around a lot, but I'm not sure they totally understand them: premiums, capacity, and underwriting. When it comes to insurance. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. How do premiums work? How should individuals like private individuals and families think about them when they hear the term premium?
2: So the premium is going to be what you're going to pay, right? Each year for your insurance by changing deductibles, by adding risk mitigation devices, like an automatic water shutoff valve those things can help bring your premiums down. So by showing that you are making your risk less scary and you are taking on more risk, you can bring those premiums down. So does that help you with that piece?
1: It does. Like for instance, we put an automatic water shut off monitor and valve into our home. Nice. We installed a generator, like a full house yeah. generator as excellent. well. Excellent, excellent. On the advice of some of the folks that we work with. But year to year... How have you seen premiums? I mean, assuming they're increasing across the board, but Correct. what scale are we talking about? What's the
2: Yeah, so when we have when we have a renewal where we are seeing anywhere between 10 and 15 percent increases, I'm saying we're having a good year. We're really seeing 20, 30, 40 percent, and in some areas I've seen as high as
1: hundred percent. Yeah, on the commercial side, we've seen a 100 percent, yes, year yes. Year, over year in Florida, yes. in in wind risk areas. For sure. And how does that compare with earlier in your career? I mean, has this oh, just been like up and to the right the entire time? It's,
2: inc- it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, like I said, it, you know, we could kind of get things with our, done with our eyes closed. We were, yeah, a 10% increase. Anything that was a double digit increase when I started was really considered time to remarket. Oh my gosh, this, this is unacceptable. But that's just not the case. It's just not the case. And, and they're really, the carriers are really saying that it's just not going to change for at least several years.
1: Right. So, I mean, I'm asking you to read tea leaves, but you think it's going to continue in this trajectory?
2: Here's what I think. I think it's going to continue in this trajectory, but I believe very strongly in this country and that we are a country that when you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I'm actually in conversations right now with the family office to try to figure out ways to bring other alternatives to these families. I think that something will break and there'll be other ways of doing this. But you tell me, Brian, if you look at the state, whether you believe in global warming or not, here's one thing. You want another little stat? In 2022, we had 18 weather disaster events that were all greater than a billion dollars each. From 1980 to 2022, the annual average of a large weather event was about 7.9. From 2018 to 2022, the average, meaning a big weather event, the average weather event for a year is 17.8. So whether you believe in what's causing this, the fact of the matter is, is we are having much more severe weather. And I I don't think that's going to end.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm a member of YPO and some other organizations where I have the opportunity to talk to commercial real estate investors across the country and the world to some extent. And I can tell you for folks that own in Florida and the Carolinas and Texas, you are just waiting for hurricane season, which is like longer now and seems like later, to be over. Yeah. And then you're just waiting for the next window to close. And then on the West Coast, obviously, I don't have as much exposure there, but just the wildfire season continues to just crush people.
2: It does. It does.
1: And can you maybe help, I'm not asking you for metrics, but I think people lose sight of the fact that all the stats you threw out there, I mean, insurance companies, they're doing this because they're losing money. And
2: thank you for saying that. Now, I'll tell you, I had a conversation with a client who said, you know, I just read the financials for Chubb and they're doing, they're doing great. They had a great year. And here's what I'll say. That's the company you do want to work with because we're watching several carriers fall apart because they haven't been good stewards of keeping, they've been, you know, they came in and they bought the market and they had lower rates. The carriers that are lasting in this market are the ones that are taking the appropriate rate. So there's no question that these carriers have have lost their shirts. And I'll, I'll show you another or tell you about another way to think about this too, that's that's been difficult. So for instance, landslide is not covered by it's an exclusion in an insurance contract, okay? However, the what I like about insurance with my law background is it's all about causation. So when you have a wildfire and then you have a landslide, that's covered because wildfire is covered and the landslide was caused due to the wildfire. So now you've got carriers who are not only covering for wildfires that they didn't foresee, but now they've also got the landslide on top of it. So it's just a real compounding effect. And they simply cannot sustain, especially because these high net worth carriers that I'm specifically speaking to are all in the same areas. Right, high net worth people love the same beautiful areas, and that's yeah. where these houses are. And they're oversaturated with a lot of these carriers. But j- don't get me wrong; the standard market is seeing the same effect. I just don't think, I don't think quite as much as maybe the ultra high net worth space.
1: Well, I think it's like a lot of other service providers and vendors. When times are great, you have a tendency to just go to the cheapest option, right? right. And you need a trusted advisor to say, "Listen." You might be paying more, or it might be a little bit more challenging to get this coverage. But when things go sideways, XYZ firm, like Chubb, Cincinnati, Pure, whatever, they're really good to work with, and they will take care of you. Exactly. It's hard if you haven't been through an experience or a cycle to know that when you're just looking at things on on a price per pound basis. It
2: it absolutely is, and and, you know, dealing with the one eight hundred number when you have water bursts and you've got you know water spewing throughout your house. That's that's not optimal
1: okay so you're listening to this and now you're terrified sorry (laughs) well well, it's better to know it's better to be honest so what, what do you do like where do you start if you are a business owner or an individual or family that you know you've got insurance coverage but like you don't know who it is you don't know how you got it you don't know where you might have a deficit or where you're good like what's the first thing you do and who do you bring into the meeting
2: right so i think the first thing you do is you gather up all your documents and you do you know ask people that you trust who they're working with i think i think referrals are always really the best for someone who's had the experience and asks that broker to do a review of your program say i'm not sure what i've got can you sit down and review this and talk this through with me and make recommendations of whether or not i should move and That's what we'll do. You know, we'll get a side by side proposal and show you what you've got, what you should have, what you shouldn't have. And then you can make that educated decision. But it's almost like a spring cleaning. I think it feels really good to people who aren't really knowledgeable about this. They get all their stuff together and we help them figure out, you know, whether their homes are titled in trust and if those should be insured. We help them figure out their liability, if they have enough or not. And then we help them figure out, okay, you're with this carrier here's what's going on with this carrier. Is this really who you want to go the long journey with? Maybe we should look at some others and here's why. So it's one of my favorite things to do because I love the education around it and it is such an education. So I think you find someone who, who also wants to, to sit down and, and take the time with you to do all of that.
1: Exceptional family offices, family enterprises, wealth management and financial services organizations require superior leadership to successfully thrive in today's competitive environment. This is why I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Mac International. Mac International is recognized as the premier boutique firm that specializes in providing retained executive search and strategic human capital consulting solutions to single and multi-client family offices, family enterprises, and the full spectrum of wealth management advisory, investment management, and financial services firms that serve ultra-high net private investors and family offices on a national and international basis. If you're interested in learning more about Mac International, visit their website at macinternational.com. Yeah, we talk about on the show who you want, like in the conference room and then around the kitchen table, and it's, you know, your business attorney, your trust in the state attorney, your CPA. And the insurance person needs to be there as well. Agreed. Because they need to understand the whole scope of your, because it's really a risk assessment, right? And then how can you be proactive about managing that risk? And they need to know everything.
2: And I also call it legacy preservation, Brian, because if you're not insured correctly, it's super easy to lose several million dollars. So I don't think people often think about private risk and personal insurance as, as being legacy preservation, but it absolutely is.
1: So let's get into I mean I want to be careful not to go into specifics and get too granular because everyone's situation is different but what are the questions to ask what are the assessments to run in terms of risk mitigation leveraging technology what are best practices these days for you know personal and general insurance needs
2: Well I think one of the things that I really like to focus on okay after figuring out you know the hard market and the property piece there's a lot of other things that go into the program. And to me, liability, the clients that we work with, that is their number one concern. And so I think it's so important to make sure that first of all, you are really assessing that everything that you own personally is on your insurance program. So I always say, you know, what do you own that someone can get hurt in, on, or around? Is it a vacant lot of land somewhere? Do you have an ATV or a golf cart or a Car that's at a vacation home that you don't use very much, you don't think about. Let's talk about all those items and make sure they're on your program and they're insured correctly. So that's something that we actually spend a lot of time talking about. And along that line, too, I think just making sure that you understand the things that are covered under the homeowners, the things that aren't, what are the added endorsements that you need, i.e., flood, right? Flood's an added endorsement, it's not part of your homeowner's policy. People don't realize that 20% of flooding happens in non-flood zones. So just really making sure that you understand all of the things that should be on the program that maybe aren't and could end up being a problem,
1: talking through those. And so-
2: Am I answering that? I feel like I maybe didn't answer that question. No, you did. (laughs) I'm just trying
1: to think. So how do you, so functionally, if you have this meeting with- your your insurance professional. What do you bring? Is it oh like an yes. org chart? Gotcha. And Sorry. then you you yes, bring yes, yes. in it more the attorneys. Okay.
2: All you need. It's so simple. You just need the declarations pages of your program. So for your home, your auto, boats, collections, liability. You just bring in those deck pages. If you have Florida homes, they do need elevation certificates and mit certificates, and then drivers' license numbers and dates of birth for all drivers in the home. It's actually upfront quite easy. If someone's doing it the right way, there'll be a lot of questions to ask once all of that stuff comes in. And then it should take a couple of weeks to really go out to market and do the the right digging on the broker's end. And then you should have a meeting after that where you come back and you have a true side by side comparison of your current program versus the program that's being proposed and really be able to understand all of the nuances. So then you can make those decisions. Yes, I want flood. No, I don't oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you about the vacant lot of land. And those are the conversations that you have at that time.
1: And so to, to tie back to this hard market concept, are you seeing carriers change underwriting or require different or red flags or now something like something's a red flag now that oh. it wasn't a year or two years ago?
2: Brian, that is the best question. I'm so impressed that you asked that actually. It's unbelievable. Yes. They are very, very stringent. So there's lots and lots and lots more questions that they're asking, but also it's very easy to be denied. And the way that you are denied is by having too many claims. But what's interesting is what's too many? So now it's really very few and the kiss of death are water claims. If you have one water claim, you know, we can probably massage our way into something, but more than one and no one will touch it unless you go to the ENS market. And even then, the non-admitted market, even then, sometimes they will not touch it and you have to stay where you are. So certainly one of the things that we do and I'm very proud of is we do a lot of claims counseling. So here's a tip. If you ever have anything happen, don't ever call your carrier directly. So let's say you have some shingles that fall off your roof and you're insured with Chubb. Don't call Chubb and say, hey, I've got these shingles that have fallen off. What do you think I should do? You call your broker, then hopefully your broker will claims counsel you through this to decide, Well, gosh, Brian, you've had two claims in the last two years. I just think you're gonna have to pay out of pocket on this one. Or you're good. It's you know, it's been a while. Let's go ahead, let's file this claim. And then having a claims team that will walk you through start to finish. That's a really important piece of this as well. But there are many, many more questions that we have to ask our prospective clients these
1: days. Yeah. I'm in the middle of something at my house, water related. It's been, Sorry. You know, it's okay. It's been a journey, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. work with Cincinnati and they've been terrific.
2: They are terrific.
1: But for like years, things would happen and my insurance person would say like, no, you're not going to file a claim on that. And I was like, what's the point of having this? If I don't, you know? But then something pretty major occurred and they've been terrific. And now yes. I understand that. I'm glad I heeded their counsel because it's been very smooth but yeah i mean it's it's water is hot water especially i don't think people appreciate the insanely destructive nature of what hot water can do
2: insane and do you want to know another stat you are 13 more times more likely to have a water damage claim than a fire in your home really that us outside of this catastrophic natural disasters water claims are the number one issue for carriers so, and by the way, Brian, you have a good broker. I'm really glad to hear that they did the right thing. That doesn't yes, it, happen all the time, so that's awesome.
1: Yeah, they've been great to work with all around. So we won't get into the specifics of that whole deal, but yeah, it's I've been, been a- there
2: too. I was in Mexico on my final night, having a margarita to the house or the pet sitter taking a picture of what looked like rain in my basement. So yeah, I, well, I, I get it. Yeah,
1: it's wild. So let's go back to the liability portion. Yeah. Any specific areas of concern that ultra high net worth individuals or families should yes. yeah. should flag for their yes. attention?
2: So the number one error that I see is that families don't have their trusts and their LLCs listed as additional insureds. The other thing is really making sure that if it is an LLC that the LLC is for estate planning purposes only. If there's any revenue that's being derived from that LLC, it should be on a commercial policy, not a personal policy. If it's on the personal policy and there's a claim around it, you know, then the carrier can deny deny coverage for that LLC. So you want to make sure it's on the correct paper. The other thing that I see is a lot of times, I'll give you sort of an example. I'll have a, a, you know, Someone that I'll see that they came out of college and they started with uh, Sandra Carrier and they have their home in Michigan and then they get more successful and they buy a home in Florida. And they're, let's just, I don't want to pick State Farm's great, but I'm just going to use State Farm. So State Farm can only write in Michigan, right? That broker, you got to get a different State Farm agent in Florida. So now they have a State Farm Florida in Florida, State Farm agent now in Colorado. You know, as their program and portfolio is growing, they're using all these different brokers. And what I see that happens is the left and the right hand aren't speaking to one another and who is watching over the umbrella? Who's making sure that that new car that they bought in Florida has been added to the umbrella or the little golf cart or the ATV or the boat? And so it's really important to have that holistic program so that things don't get left off. Because if you have a $20 million umbrella, but the car that you are in the accident that you've gotten in the accident and isn't on that umbrella, you have no coverage. So that's super important. And I, I've even given talks to attorneys where they'll tell me they look, at the, they look at the limit. They say, oh, you've got a $10 million umbrella. You're great. They don't realize they have to then look at the exposures that that $10 million umbrella is covering. So that's a really important piece. And then I think the last little bit is that in the last 10 years, nuclear verdicts have just gone haywire and nuclear verdicts are $10 million plus for a liability claim. And high net worth individuals are 100%. They have a bullseye on their back and juries are not sympathetic, especially if they feel that it is egregious what they've done. So I have a great example of kids doing, it's called like truck surfing or some, you know, like- one kid standing on the hood of a car, and you know the back of the car, and and they're messing around, and they they hurt someone. Those types of things are just really frowned upon, and large verdicts are delivered.
1: Well, okay, so the, your first part about the trust and estate work, yeah. I think I want to reinforce it, and where your JD I think is really helpful because I don't know as, as an attorney, a trained attorney myself, I don't practice any longer, but that would not be something that I would consider exploring any further. Once I saw the liability umbrella policy, I would just say, okay, well, I think they're in a pretty good place here. Exactly. But that's where you need somebody with more expertise to come in and include them in on that conversation, right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. And and it's no one's fault for not knowing that. And I forgot that you were JD, so you'll appreciate this. When I, and I wonder if you felt this way, when I was in my first semester of civil procedure, I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm getting to know all the rules of the game that I feel like all of the American public should know. I see now, it just kind of clicked like, oh, the attorneys are supposed to share the rules of the game with everyone. That's what I also feel with being in insurance. It's my job to share the rules of this game. And to your point, why would the attorneys know that then they have to look at the schedule on the umbrella?
1: So I want to also revisit this, Nuclear verdicts is a term I've never heard before. Yeah, that's yeah. 10 million plus. Yes. Damages verdicts?
2: Correct. The largest one that just came out out of New York not too terribly long ago was 450 million. It was for a chair that was on a balcony that a windy day flew off, hit a woman on the sidewalk in the head and gave her brain damage. They sued everybody. So that's an extreme case, but there's a very, I mean, you know, how do you know that your chair is going to blow off your balcony? But another thing that I thought was very interesting and two things, I think everyone can guess the number one place liability claims occur in your auto. That, that's no surprise, I would think, to anybody. But number two, something that was, I was with a legal team of one of the carriers and it was very interesting to me. If you have anyone come in your house, like a, a handyman or a contractor or whatever, and they need a ladder or tools because theirs have broken or they've forgotten something, Your answer should always be, no, I don't have it. I can't tell you how many stories they've shared with us of people, you know, the ladder failing, breaking, and then a lawsuit. There was one story of a family who lost their home over a ladder situation. Serious. Now, they were not ultra high-net-worth individuals, but they did. They lost their home.
1: Yeah, because I feel like my HVAC guys need to use my ladder every (laughs) single time they come. The answer's no,
2: Brian. You know, I am all about being a good Samaritan. I really do... But you have to be so careful, especially if you're over a high net worth person.
1: Yeah. I mean, I you talk to some of these families that have full-blown you know, family offices with concierge yes. services, private yes. aircraft, private watercraft, household staff who then exactly. have sub-staff and God yes. knows how many third-party vendors are on property at different times and estate managers. Like Their liability profile just is outrageous. It is outrageous.
2: Yes. Yes. And hence why, gosh, I've got, I've just got a client. He's one of my largest clients that I've just finally convinced to move from a $10 million umbrella and his net worth is, you know, in the billions. And so sometimes it's also just getting people's attention. Again, this isn't sexy, right? So just getting their attention to really sit down and think through the why is, again, part of the education process.
1: So along those lines, a lot of these conferences or events that I invited to or attend are being sponsored by boutique insurance firms that Mm -hmm. say they cater to the family office world or ultra high net worth world. Is that real or what questions should people ask? Or how do you think about that boutique services firm versus, you know, one of the household names?
2: So, you know, this is interesting. I'm right in the middle of getting ready to work with a really large family office and we went through a lot of questioning and I really appreciated their line of questioning. But one of the things I think that was really evident very clearly to me with all family offices, even though none are the same, is that you have to have, yes, the expertise, but you have to have the bench strength as well. So one of the things that we've done Is all of our clients get a a true team. So there's myself. I have a client advocate that only works with my clients that I just hired recently and a service team member. And then we have our own claims team. So maximum there's four to five, you know, people on a team, minimum three to four. And the reason this is so important with the family office is because things have to happen yesterday. So that's really, I think a, a good way to assess whether someone can handle that family office space is that bench strength. And that they've set it up understanding that family dynamic and what they need. So that service piece is just paramount. And that ability to be agile and quick and nimble is just really, really important. So I think that's one thing. And then I think certainly asking the question of how long they've been working in the family office space and how many family offices they have is a good question
0: to ask.
1: Yeah, like most things, I think referrals and asking around to your network when it comes to vendors and service providers is a really good rule of thumb.
2: It certainly is.
1: So as as we wind down, we don't have enough time to give this full credit, but cyber, is that something that- 30 seconds,
2: that's all I need, 30 seconds. Go ahead. So cyber insurance has now become something that's available on the personal side of insurance. It's been available for commercial for a long time. It was rolled out, I'm gonna say about four years ago, and it's only in the high net worth carrier realm. And it's really something that I think is, so here's the good news. I've been giving bad news. Let's end on a high note. It's inexpensive and it's available. So in that high net worth, uh, those high net worth carriers, and I really recommend it. It's great for social engineering, which is where I think it primarily would be where it would get used, right? You click on the link and you're getting ready to send money off somewhere and someone's intercepted and you think you're sending money to your bank or the person you're buying a boat from or what have you and ends up being a bad actor.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's helpful and useful. Yes. Cam, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. I don't know. Fun might not be the right term, but super informative. (laughs) And this is, I think, oftentimes not given the right amount of focus that it should be for families. They think it's kind of a secondary issue until it becomes a front burner issue. And then all of a sudden you realize that it really does impact everything. So thank you for uh, imparting all your wisdom here today.
2: Well, Brian, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun for me, but I'm the insurance nerd. So at least we yeah, must fun.
1: <laughs> so for our listeners, please do leave us a review and a rating. Let us know your favorite part of the conversation. And then a question we ask everyone that comes on the show. Do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life?
2: Oh, gosh. I feel like I have many, actually. I have right here. I have these cards that I, I shuffle every day, and they have beautiful sayings that I, they, I keep them right here on my little desk. What are I, the
1: what are the sayings? Like gratitude oh, sayings? Or?
0: Well,
2: okay. So this one says, shame tells me to stay in hiding, but healing knows that there is, there is no hope there. So it'll just be little, you know, that one's kind of a depressing one, but some of them are. <laughs> kind of, so they're just, I, I have a lot of things like that throughout the day. I get an email from notes from the universe that I love. It is really amazing and is a very wonderful thing that I do. I work out I try to meditate. There are so many things that I feel, so many little things like that, that can bring so much joy and peace to your life every day. And it, it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take any money. It just takes a little imagination.
1: I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate it.
2: You got it. Thank you, Brian.
1: Yeah. And if people are interested in connecting with you and learning more about your firm, the services that you all provide, what's the best way for them to find out more?
2: I would say the best way is to go to com. obviously, just for the wealth of everything that's going on there. But personally, I'm on LinkedIn, Cam Mosley. I think that's a great place to go if you just want to learn a little bit more yeah, about that's where me we personally. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So I just posted actually a little how to stay safe over Thanksgiving holidays video oh, today. boy.
1: So turkey <laughs> yeah. frying and god knows <laughs> what. Okay.
2: It's mainly about your pets because okay. I'm a pet lover. I so love anyway, okay. yeah. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And this was really fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah.
1: Thanks again. We'll, we'll have you come on and talk about more horrible things when we when we in six months anytime, or so. Anytime. Anytime. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
2: All right. Take care.